0: This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week, we're previewing the battle for first place in men's lacrosse between Bates, Tufts, and Amherst. Plus, the tennis teams enter the heart of NESCAC play, and the baseball team prepares for a showdown with Bowdoin. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my The The number 12 nationally ranked Bates men's lacrosse team visits number four Tufts Tuesday night at 7 p.m. The Bobcats and the Jumbos are tied for first place in the NASCAC both sporting conference records of 6-1. and one. Number 6 Amherst is in the mix as well, with a NESCAC record of 6-2. and two. The Bobcats play the Mammoths on Garcelon Field Saturday at 1 p.m. Head coach Peter Lasagna previews a massive week for Bates. Well, with this podcast coming out on Tuesday, if you're listening to it on Tuesday, bates toughs tonight, men's lacrosse at Tufts, 7 o'clock. Peter Lasagna with us here on the Bobcast. And, Peter, what a week this is going to be, right? you got Tufts on Tuesday and Amherst on Saturday. These are the top three teams record-wise in the NESCAC this season, Bates, Tufts, and Amherst. What are your thoughts on these two upcoming games? I mean, we've had some epic contests between these two teams over the past few years, haven't
1: we? Uh, my mind goes there um, when I figure how I will first answer you, Aaron. Um, the bates tufts game, with the exception of last year, where they got the better of it uh, pretty much from start to finish, um, these games between these two teams in both venues uh, at Tufts and here at Bates have been epic games. So I expect we're getting ready for another one. You got a chance to watch Tufts
0: versus Amherst the other day. What were your thoughts on what you saw from both teams?
1: Yeah, Tufts uh, got off to an incredibly explosive start, actually very reminiscent of the start that they got off to when we scrimmaged them uh, on February 20th or whenever that was at the very, very start of the season. Um so we, we know what that looks like uh, and know what that feels like. And then Amherst got themselves back into the game, started to win some more face-offs, got some saves, uh, rode the ball back well, and then it became what you would have expected, which is a great one-goal game uh, between two of the best teams, not just in the league, but two of the best teams in the country.
0: You mentioned you scrimmaged toughs before the season. What, if anything, can you apply from that scrimmage to now? I mean, it's a, it's a long year. There's a lot of stuff that's happened since then, I'm sure
1: thank god i can tell you um i'm confident that we're a bit better than we were on that day um we know a lot more about ourselves we've just been through many more of these battles um and playing really really high level opponents um and and playing well so that's the most important thing um i I think that both coaching staffs are smart enough to be able to tell their students you know don't put too much stock in what happened uh in the first week of practice but that said they also have all the same players uh that they had on that uh wednesday night or whatever it was and and they're a they're a really impressive group from start to finish they're they're very big very strong very athletic um one thing that really impressed us that night was they got after the ball when it was on the ground uh in all phases in a in a really admirable way so that's that's one area again that doesn't change if anything they're as good or better Um, at that aspect. Hopefully we are better, Uh, but that's one thing that we have to be really pay really attention to. In the scouting report, um, I I say ball-on-the-ground offense is when they're actually at their best. When there's a broken situation and the ball's on the ground, uh, they make really good things happen. Bates has been pretty good with those broken situations too, right? Uh, Well, we're all right. That's part of why this is interesting, um, is because both teams want to take more than 50 shots. Um, they're averaging a couple more goals a game than we are, but we both play similar styles. Um, I don't think there's a real danger of the shot clock being expired uh, for either team on Tuesday, though. If we get a lead uh, late, I, I, um, we might we might just take 79 seconds uh, at a time if we could. Um, but yeah, it's good. that's why there's such fun games. I mean, it's fun for our guys to get ready for. I, I would imagine it's fun for the Tusk. Guys, as well, because again, you know that you know nobody's going to try to shrink the game. Nobody's going to try to slow it down. Um, we're going to try to be smart, and we're going to try to take care of the ball, obviously. But we both pay, play the same style, and it's basically going to be you know who can get some stops, and who can take care of the ball and turn it over the least, uh, and who can capitalize on great opportunities
0: it seems like you know the face-off battle you know you know is senior he's been he's been through the wars if you will through the years uh, what are your thoughts on you know the face-off matchups and how you guys are going to approach that because that can obviously swing a game uh anytime right
1: yeah absolutely it's a great point point. and I actually think um Eli where, where his percentage may not be exactly where he wants it to be for the year I also feel like almost every one of these games he's been good enough in chunks of the game to give us an opportunity i mean uh, you know our record is what it is and so he he gets some credit for that as does chris costello and and the other the face-off wings that's what we saw and what, what we saw in the amherst tufts film was that actually you know the face-off guys were pretty even um and it was whoever got the better of the wing play on those 50 50 ground balls is who is who won the day and so that's a huge point been a huge point of emphasis for us since we got back to practice on Friday night
0: for sure and then you know obviously everyone knows about what Matt Lestive and what he's done throughout his career only a junior all-time assist leader in in Bates history uh who are some other guys on the attack who have you who have really stood out to you this year who have helped support him because everyone's always collapsing down on him so he's been passing the ball even more
1: than usual perhaps yeah I think that uh, that's a great a perceptive question, and Matt's had a phenomenal year thus far, uh, as we expect. Um, but I think the other guys really do jump out. Brendan Mullally is is having the best year of his mm-hmm. career, and just as a, you know, he's one of those people that it's really hard to game plan for, because, you know, he might dodge for one or, or, or maybe two, especially if you try to put a short stick on him, which, which Tufts may do. Um, but all of his goals, almost all of his goals come in broken situations, as you mentioned before, and and in the unsettled and, and on extra man. And just because he's got an uncanny knowledge and an uncanny canny knack of when and where to cut. Um, and he's a huge beneficiary of, of Matt's uh, vision and Matt's ability to feed the ball. So Brendan, I think, has had a great year. Um, Otis has been an incredibly wonderful surprise coming back for us, um, you know, especially I think in the first half, uh, he was just exceeded all expectations. And he's healthy again. Yeah. Um, he's needed to, to 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 put some more time in. And, and he's looked really, really great the last couple of days. So that gives us a big boost. And then Matt Kelleher, uh, pretty much wherever we've put him, um, he has responded. And especially with, with Otis banged up, um, you know, we put Matt down on the attack more in these last couple games. And he did a really nice job. And then when we put him in the midfield, he almost always delivers uh, a timely and important goal. So um, I would mention those guys. Dylan McManus. Yeah. has come on recently played his strongest game against con college made a couple of really really big plays for us which was was neat he had a huge smile on his face after that game so he's now another element um that we have going for us and that other people have to figure out how to defend uh, jackson cell another freshman got his most significant minutes against con he's out right now but hopefully we'll be getting him back uh at some point soon and yeah we're 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 pretty deep there, I think that the the midfields have sorted themselves out. Curtis Napton, I think, is is having an all American year. I think Duke Brown Jones is as well for all the different things that he does for us. Um, we get Jack Scribner back, yeah. uh, and I think we have we have noticed what an important role he plays um, playing without him in these last three NESCAT games. And so, um, you know, yeah, a, a lot of Matt is is certainly the focus of everybody's defensive game plan. He should be, um, but we have other people that can make you pay as well. For sure. And then you mentioned the
0: midfield. Defensive midfield is kind of interesting because I personally don't know how to evaluate play there, but when, you're, when folks are watching the game, defensive midfields obviously have a huge impact on it.
1: What do they need to watch for? That's a great – that's, a, that's a, an informed and smart <laughs> and high-level uh, lacrosse fan uh, question with our style yeah. uh, where everybody is an offensive player and everybody's a defensive player. Those short-stick defensive midfielders are, might be the most important players in our game mm-hmm. because not only are they going to get picked on the most – Uh, and dodged and isolated the most as one-on-one defenders but they're also really critical team defenders and and team communicators and then when we do get stops they are the first person we're looking to when we're trying to get the ball from defense to offense so they're critical in our clearing game they're critical in our transition game and RJ I don't know where he is now RJ Sarka but for a while there RJ was our fourth or fifth you know leading midfield scorer with probably less than ten goals but when you get a when you get a play like that when you get a you know an rj sarker and andrew loman or a or um sean paul clark or jack golden you know going the length of the field and scoring us a goal or or jack golden had one of the best lines i think you can have as a freshman defensive midfielder against Khan. i think he had five or six ground balls which probably were all on the wing of the face off so that's five or six possessions for us um a bunch of successful clears three assists and zero turnovers um i mean he does not look like a freshman so we're really deep at that position. Walker Cooney uh, got hurt earlier in the week. We're going to we're gonna miss him. Um, but we just feel like, yeah, those guys are, are, are critical pieces of what we do. Um, and in this game, uh, trying to defend the Tufts midfielders, those guys are going to get left out on islands and called upon to defend a bunch of the best midfielders in the country. So uh, this is going to be a great test for us and for them.
0: This is kind of an intangible thing, but you know, Tufts and Amherst, they're in Massachusetts. They're kind of more maybe in the heart where for more media coverages. And do you feel like Bates has been overlooked a little bit this year because of maybe last season? Or
1: what are your thoughts on that in terms of compared to the rest of the conference? I'm probably not in a great position to give any sort of objective answer <laughs> to that question. So I'll just go to what our record is. Yeah. Um, our record is 9-2. and two, uh, And we're one of two teams in the country that has a win over Wesleyan, mm-hmm. who continues to be in the top five. So uh, it it Uh, it's hard this year because there are so many good NESCAC teams and uh, Wesleyan deserves to be where they are because they have really really impressive wins and uh, Amherst deserves to be where they are because they have really impressive wins and Tufts and and Williams and and Williams beat us head-to-head so I can't have a beef with anybody because those teams have really really significant Mm -hmm. wins I think we have a significant win as well Um, and our losses are to RIT and Williams, who are a really, really good teams. So the, the the fun about this, Aaron, is that we get to play people that are uh, ranked ahead of us and that we are competing with for the top of the NESCAC. So. Um to sound like an old, crusty Italian man that I am, uh, the only poll that matters is uh, the last one. Though I would say that the the one that the one that contributes to the seeding of the NCAA tournament is right. somewhat important as well. Uh, so these rankings do matter a little bit. But the, the, we get we we're in a wonderful place. It's a beautiful day. Uh, we get we're home. We get to practice. We're full-time lacrosse players right now, and we get to prepare to play one of the very best teams in the country. Um, and so we're in control of our fate, and that's all we can ever ask for.
0: There you have it at Tufts Tuesday night and then Saturday afternoon right here on Garcelon Field, Amherst coming to town. Peter Lasagna, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Aaron. Last week was finals week for Bates students, so there weren't a lot of events for the Bobcats. The baseball team was in action Saturday, though, splitting a doubleheader at Leahy Field against Wesleyan. Bates won game one by a score of 4-2, to scoring four runs in the bottom of the third. Senior Justin White tallied a big two-RBI single in the win, and junior Nolan Collins shined again on the mound. Collins tossed six and a third innings of two-run ball, striking out six to earn his fourth win of the season. Collins leads Nazcak pitchers in strikeouts, and he is our male Bobcat of the week. Nolan, your last two starts, Coach Martin's giving the chance to go out there for the final inning. He's obviously showing confidence in you to you know, try to close the game out. What are your thoughts on him showing you uh, that confidence and Alex Simon backing you up getting some saves as well?
2: Yeah, it's awesome. It's great to see that he has the confidence in me to go out for that last inning. Obviously, I'd hope to finish the last <laughs> inning one of these times. But, you know, it's great that Alex Simon has my back. He's a real great closer he's really reliable, and it's awesome.
0: So against Wesleyan on Saturday, what was kind of your focus out there on the mound? It's, it's not a divisional matchup, but obviously you want to go out there and win.
2: Uh, yeah, it was a big game. You know, it was still, it's still a NESCAC opponent, mm-hmm. so it's, it's good to compete, and it was fun. But uh, my approach on the mound really was just getting ahead with fastballs, and they had, they had trouble catching up to it and then just mixing up speeds with that and my curveball was nice.
0: We haven't talked necessarily since the Salem State game, so you also had the matchup against Trinity. Those are two good offenses, Trinity followed by Wesleyan, right? I mean, did your approach differ at all between those two teams, or was it pretty similar? Uh, Well, I kind of
2: had different stuff working both times. The Trinity game, my changeup was really nice, and my my curveball was good. Uh, Against Wesleyan, I didn't have my changeup really, but it was kind of the same approach, just work ahead with fastballs, like get ahead in counts, and then from there it's a lot easier to miss barrels and get strikeouts. So... It's just getting ahead with the fastball and working from there.
0: And, you know, the trendy game, I'm looking back on it. Early on, you walked some guys, but after the second inning, it was kind of lights out. Yeah. Did anything change for you?
2: Uh, I think I just found my, my timing, yeah. really. Um, we had been working on some stuff midweek, and I was focusing, that, focusing on that in the early innings. And I think it was just taking my, my focus away from actually pitching. And once, once I, I kind of just forgot about the adjustment and started doing what I've been doing all
0: year and – it worked and I just kinda fell into a groove. Bowdoin this weekend. This is a team that I believe actually took two of three from Bates last year, yeah. a little surprisingly perhaps. Um, you know, obviously it's a big rivalry. What are your thoughts on Bowdoin coming up?
2: I'm excited. You know, it's 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 really important for our playoff hopes that we get we go out and we hopefully sweep. We need to kinda win some games here. Uh but they're a good team. They they can they they've had a little down year but they, they played toughs pretty pretty close, so mm-hmm. They could be dangerous, so we got to take them seriously.
0: Right. I mean, like in the NESCAC, I mean, yeah, Bowden lost all their non-conference, but they go out yeah. and sweep Colby right away to start NESCAC, yeah. but it's a brand-new season, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, once the NESCAC season comes, it, it really turns into a new season, and uh, it's a real short season, too, only 12 games, so you got to make everyone count.
0: And then on Saturday, um, Brian Gotti did have a solo home run first of his career. What are your thoughts on some of the younger guys really starting to, you know, get into the mix, like Durano and Gotti and so on and so forth?
2: Yeah, that home run was awesome. You know, <laughs> we've seen Gotti do it in batting practice, but it was good to see it happen in a game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, him and Antonio really are starting to come out of their shells and perform, and it's real nice to see. You know, like that, a young core kind of come up and look good for the future, and they're contributing now real real well, so it's good.
0: And one of the more experienced guys, John Lindgren, made that insane catch. What was your view on it?
2: Well, I was in the dugout, and I thought I didn't think he was going to have to go over the fence, and then all of a sudden he had, like, jumped, turned the other way, and made an incredible acrobatic catch. It was real—it was crazy. It was awesome.
0: A bunch of midweek games for the team this year. You're going to obviously pitch against Bowden, so you're going to kind of sit back and watch the guys play. Um, obviously a chance for uh, some of the guys continue to make an impact because I know Joraino wasn't playing a whole lot that until a midweek game, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, he didn't play until that Husson game, yeah. really, and then he kind of broke out. So it's real good those, those midweek games give guys opportunities that don't usually get opportunities, and it also gives guys that are in the daily routine just to fall into a rhythm and kind of get some momentum going into the weekend.
0: I'm curious for you as a starter, you know, preparing to face Bowdoin this weekend. How much do you get? Any type of scouting report? Any type of idea of what they bring to the table? Is it looking at stats? or are you just not even worry about that?
2: Uh, we look at the stats. Yeah. Uh, I actually have a fr- uh, one of my friends from high school plays at Tufts. He texted me a rundown of everything they right. do. So, okay. so I have that, and then okay. coach will give us some tips and stuff about their lineup, and we have some we have some like spray charts to look at, but. Uh, just looking at that stuff I don't spend too much time looking at it just because besides like like who strikes out a lot that kind of thing but uh, you know it's it's good to have just just in case
0: yeah well speaking of strikeouts at this moment in time you lead the NESCAC in strikeouts as a pitcher this year Um, something you take pride in getting striking guys out Uh,
2: yeah you know I I, it's always better when you strike a guy out you know I kind (laughs) of like it but uh, it was one of my goals this year to improve my strikeouts. So, and so far, I think I'm on a little better pace than last year. But, you know, it's good. I, obviously, you're just trying to get guys out, but it, yeah. it's nice when you can strike them out yourself.
0: And the defense behind you, it just seems like just terrific. I mean, Torres at third, Carter at short. That must give you a lot of confidence. Yeah,
2: the we have a great infield. It's, yeah. it's really good. Even Beal in center making incredible yeah. plays. Like, right. It feels like every time a ball's put in play, we have a chance to get the guy out. So it just adds to confidence
0: when you're on the mound. Now, Saturday game was a 7-inning game, um, and you've obviously thrown a in 9-inning game, thrown in 7-inning games. Any different type of mentality in a 7-inning game, or is it about the same for you? Well,
2: in the 7-inning game, obviously, it's shorter. It means, like, every inning counts. Like, you can fall behind 2 nothing, and if you don't respond, all of a sudden, it's the 5th inning, you're down 2 nothing. You only have two innings to yeah. to get some runs going. So, it's a lot quicker. I find it easier to pitch, like, if you can get ahead, obviously. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't have to get 27 outs. You only need 21. So... But, you know, it's the same kind of mentality, just attacking hitters, like, approach-wise. But, yeah, it's a little different.
0: For sure. And then, um, you know, the other guys on the pitching staff, who's been really kind of standing out to you so far, you know, watching them go about their business?
2: Uh, you know, Cam Carlson's kind of come out and started to pitch well. Uh, obviously, Alex Simon. Yeah. Uh, Jared Panalone's been pitching well. He got he had two innings or three innings over the weekend. And... But yeah, we just got a lot of guys. Everyone who everyone's contributing. Um, it's just real nice to see.
0: Well, Panalani, a first year guy, you pitched a bit as a first year, just like yeah. he's pitching a bit as a first year. Uh, any lessons that you you've uh, talked to him about? Anything that you know he should know about? You know, developing his game because he it looks like he has a lot of potential.
2: Yeah, uh, he has a ton of potential, and I just sort of in practice or before, when he's warming up in games, give him tips on how to approach guys and just kind of shoot ideas off each other. It's real good to have that kind of relationship within the team and just like forms an environment where everyone's getting better, which is nice. So.
0: Terrific. Well, what are your thoughts on the six NESCAC uh, divisional games you have left here?
2: Uh, well, uh, we got to win them all. I think yeah. Bowden and Colby, they're not the most talented in the NESCAC, but they're still dangerous. Yeah. And in order to get in the playoffs, it looks like we got to win five or six of these games. So we got to come out and attack
0: and just play with a lot of confidence. All right, Nolan Collins, Mail Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. The women's tennis team had its final non-conference match of the year Sunday, defeating Wheaton College 8-1. to Now, both tennis teams enter the heart of NESCAC play. The Bobcats take on Trinity, Amherst, and Middlebury this week, with the women taking on Colby on Monday for a fourth conference match in six days. First year, Anna Rosen has been a key contributor this season for the women's team. She won her match at number one doubles with Bella Stone on Sunday by a score of 8 to 2. Then she won 6 2, 6 2 at number two singles. And Anna Rosen is our female Bobcat of the week. Female Bobcat of the week, Anna Rosen with us here on the Bobcast. And Anna, I know we talked back in the fall, during the fall season and whatnot, as you were just getting adjusted debates. How has that adjustment gone now heading into the spring and about halfway through the tennis season here?
3: So far, it's been really great. Um, the adjustment has been really good because I've been able to figure out more with school and how to manage my time better. I think that right now we're doing really great and I'm really excited to see where it goes.
0: This past weekend you uh, played number one doubles with Bella Stone, the senior captain for the team. It's only the second time you've played with her, so what's that adjustment like? How's that going?
3: It's been really great. I have a really fun time with her on the court. I think we play really, really well together and we really feed off of each other's energy and I think our game styles are really suitable for each other, so I'm really excited to see uh, where the rest of the season takes us.
0: How do your game styles kind of blend together?
3: She's really, really great at the net, and when I'm able to set up the point for her to put the ball away at the net and vice versa as well. She has an amazing serve, and it really sets me up at the net so that I can put the ball away.
0: I've noticed, you know, uh, just walking around Merrill Gym, I've seen you pr- training with, with guys on the, um, on the men's team like Josh Keanu and whatnot. How does your practice regimen kind of go in terms of, you know, working with your teammates and also working with folks on, on the men's team as well?
3: I think it's actually an advantage because we're able to play with different game styles, not only against girls but as well against guys. Um, it allows us to have more challenges so that we're more prepared for when it comes to matches and we're ready really for anything.
0: We talked a little bit before about this, but you're from Toronto. Um, How did you decide that Bates was the place for you to come down for college?
3: When I came on my visit, I knew that this is the place where I wanted to be. Right away, the team made me feel as if I was already part of the family, and coaches are amazing, and the school, the academics, everything. I just knew that this is where I had to be the next four years. You've
0: had a lot of matches so far in the spring. But you've only had two NESCAC matches, and now all of a sudden it's going to really intensify. I believe there's three NESCAC matches this week, another one on Monday of next week. And so what are your thoughts heading into this week here?
3: Um, My thoughts heading into this week are that as a team, we just really have to stay motivated and always have energy on court. We have to go in there um, super confident and just remember to play our games and to have fun. Most importantly, just to have joy out there and to be thankful that we're able to play every day on courts.
0: You mentioned, you know, adjusting the academic schedule and and whatnot. Is it nice to have this fall during break?
3: This week has been really, really nice, and I'm excited for the rest of these matches because on court, sometimes it's hard to, like, put away your academics and not think about anything. But for this week, I think it's going to be really great for our team because we don't have any other stress. Um, It's just we're able to focus completely on tennis and just doing our best on court
0: your home Saturday against Middlebury, right? There's two road matches in your home Saturday. So folks come out to that match, could be outside, could be inside. But who are some other players on the team you're, um, you f- folks should look out for, You know who you're excited to see continue their progress as well?
3: Honestly, I'm excited for everyone. Everyone ha- has been having a really great season. Uh, Hannah, Sweeney, and Lauren have been playing together, mm-hmm. and they've been doing really well. Um, Susie has been doing amazing as well. Honestly, just everyone's been doing so great. I'm, I'm so happy that they're part of the team. Biggest
0: differences you've noticed between you know, college tennis and playing in high school?
3: I think it would be the team aspect. In high school, it was very much an individual sport. Mm-hmm. But now I really feel the support uh, from everyone, and we really motivate each other. They are what motivate me to keep going if I'm not playing well or if I'm down in a match. But my teammates and like, cheering out for each other is what allows me to play my best tennis. I know you haven't
0: gotten too much of a chance to play outdoors yet, but biggest differences, you know, outdoor versus indoor playing? Mm
3: -hmm. For me, it's a little bit difficult to adjust sometimes Mm -hmm. going between indoor and outdoor. But really, it's just like Coach always says, we love the adversity Mm -hmm. and having a different environment. I think it's just important to focus on your game style. And then no matter if there's wind or it's sun, it's just focus on the point and Try not to let anything else distract you, really. We talked about
0: your doubles match with, with Bella there this past uh, Sunday against Wheaton College. How about it? singles playing play at number two? Uh, you're playing pretty high on the ladder as a first year. What's that experience been like?
3: It's been really amazing. I'm super thankful for it. Um, I love being on court and being able to play, and I just want to win for the team, and I want the team to – just do those best as we can, so it's been a really great experience. Sounds good. Anna
0: Rosen, Female Bobcat of the Week, thanks so much. Thank you. The track and field teams competed at the UNH Wildcat Invitational on Saturday. Senior Katie Barker won the 3,000-meter run, and Senior Captain Aiden Eikoff won the 800 meters. Meanwhile, a trio of pole vaulters impressed for the Bobcats, taking the top three spots and clearing the bar at 10 feet, 2.75 inches. Junior Ashley Pratt took first, first-year Lauren Baraby finished second, and first-year Lily Simmons came in third. Pratt joined us on the phone from Washington, D.C. to talk about the meet. Tell us a little about your background. You're from the
4: area. You went to Leavitt High School. Uh, you grew up in green. You're, you're a pole vaulter. How did that get started, you know, growing up? When did you start getting into pole vaulting?
5: So I, growing up, actually did competition cheering for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I started doing track in middle school, trying to explore what events I wanted to try, pole vaulting seemed the most natural because through cheering, I was used to being upside down and flipping and that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of a natural way. A lot of people get into pole vaulting, especially if you have like any sort of gymnastics background. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just being used to that type of movement too, makes it very fun. And so that's how I kind of got used to it. Um, and introduced to it as well and just have stuck with it since then.
4: Do you remember the, your first time doing a pole vault? Because I just feel like I would be very scared. I don't know about you. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, when you first start pole vaulting, it's very like, it's very gradual progression. And so it's a lot of like hanging onto the pole, walking around on the ground, very, very low level jumping into the pit. And, um, it takes a really, really long time to progress from jumping over two feet to actually getting inverted and actually getting yourself up in the air. So, I mean, the other thing too is like, you're not bending the pole when you first start jumping either. It's very, um, very straightforward. It's almost like high jumping into the pit, but you're hanging onto a pole. Um, mm. And then as again, as you progress, it takes a really long time to get to these points in your career, but things like bending the pole and doing things that are actually characteristic of competitive pole vaulting are really exciting milestones in, um, in the event.
4: Excellent. So when you were looking for colleges, what made Bates a place for you? What made you want to stay here uh, local and go to college at Bates?
5: So it's funny because be, because I'm from the area, I kind of, in spite of the fact that I'm from the area, I guess I didn't really know a lot about Bates, which I still find very surprising. Hmm. Um, and so Once I got accepted to Bates, I started to look into the college a little bit more. And it was kind of crazy to me that Bates is as good of a school as it is because I felt like it was just this little preppy school in the area that I didn't really know (laughs) anything about, which is still so funny to me. Um, But once I really started to look into the school and learn about it, I was really impressed with um, the academic side of it and the structure of how – you pick classes and how there's a lot of freedom in who you as a student can be on campus um, and then the other thing was the track team was really kind of a pull for me because it's a very competitive program and um, everyone seems to work very, very hard uh, and it's also a very welcoming and very friendly community of people, which was really exciting for me, I guess.
4: Yeah, this past weekend, you know, Bates took one, two, and three in the pole vault there at the UNH Wildcat Invitational. Yeah. A couple of first years um, also, um, uh, you know, clearing the bar with you there at over 10 feet. Well, uh, what are they like? Um, another local there in, in Lauren and also Lily Simmons as well.
5: Yeah, Lauren Barby, um, she and I actually competed against each other a little bit in high school, and so I knew who she, I knew who she was coming into Bates. She came to visit last year to check out the program. Um, and she she's a very good athlete um, very she is a little bit more ranged than Lily and I are um, and she's kind of the athlete you can throw into anything and she'll compete well very calm and collected Um, but yeah so I competed against her in high school and so it's kind of fun seeing her at Bates um, and seeing how she progressed in high school being a couple years behind me since I actually competed against her Uh, but they're both very good athletes both the same level as I am, and we're pretty competitive with each other. Um, And the other thing is that I, last year at Bates, was the only female vaulter. And so having them on the team this year has been really, really fun and exciting. And it's fun to go to meets like this where all of us are pretty much at the same level so we can each attempt the same height. And when we have days like we did at UNH where we clear it together, it's really exciting. So, yeah, going one, two, three at UNH was a lot of fun because – it got to a point where it was just us three competing against each other and the rest of the field was out. And so it's really, it's like supportive to have them there right with me. And we're all kind of working towards the same goals, but we have each other to kind of talk through these things as well and support each other.
4: So you mentioned, you know, last year you were the lone, um, you know, female vaulter on the team. What was that experience like? I mean, that's, that's gotta be a little, um, you know, interesting kind of dynamic there. You know, not, not, I mean, there's, there were male vaulters, but you were, you were the lone one on the women's team.
5: I mean, I definitely loved the men on the team, and it was still yeah. very much a team atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. And I love Fresh. It was a very a very still supportive group of people and fun most of the time. The only time I really noticed that I was the only vaulter was when we were at meets and the men couldn't either at certain points, or obviously I'm the only one competing in the field when it's just women and warming up by myself and little things like that. Um, I definitely feel like between last year and this year, my, I can control my nerves better and it's a lot more relaxed because I have two other girls there that I'm equally as excited for them to compete as I am for myself. Um, But it's also just fun to have people to warm up with and people to get excited for while the meet's going on. And it doesn't just feel like you're worried about you the entire time. Um, So that's definitely something I've really appreciated this year, having those two around. And even at practice, you know, we are very similar athletes. And so We kind of feed off of each other when Lauren or Lily has a really good day at practice. We see that and it encourages each other to make our own improvements and we each have our own strengths as vaulters. And so it's nice to have Lauren and Lily to learn some things about vaulting that I need improvements from by proxy and so on.
4: Well, this weekend, the women's team is hosting the Aloha Relays. Tell us about this um, meet, because I, I know it's a little bit different than others, perhaps, right?
5: Yeah, Um. so this is the same time of year where men are having the state meet, and right. the Aloha Relays kind of – replaces what would be the state meets for the women. So it'll be all teams from the state of Maine. Um, but it's a lot more of a fun meet and a lot more relaxed than states would be. Um, so they do things like give out lays for people who place in the top three and or top five maybe. Um, and people try events that they don't normally do for fun. And we th- throw in some relays with people who don't normally sprint for the fun of it. Um, and there are definitely people who are going to be at the meet trying to get their marks and really competing, but it's also a lot more of a fun atmosphere and people are just there to have a good time as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited. Uh, Any idea what events you'll be doing? I mean, pole vault. Pole vault's my main event. That's all I'll be doing on Saturday.
4: Oh, gotcha. So you're focused on the pole vault exclusively at this point.
5: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Gotcha. And was that the kind of plan coming in with, you know, how did you talk with, you know, Coach Jay and Coach Fresh about, you know, when you were first starting at Bates, if the pole vault was going to be, you know, your only event, if there were going to be other events as well.
5: Well, so um, I was recruited for the team when I was looking at Bates and my most successful event in high school was pole vault. So I knew mm-hmm. going into Bates that that was what I was primarily going to be the most excited about competing in college. Um, but I also, so I used to do hurdles and some other events in high school. And so when I got to Bates, I kind of played around with doing hurdles, triple jump, um, while also working on vault. And I just had some shin is- issues my freshman year, just, oh. um, a lot of that impact. And so toward the end of my freshman year, coach Jane, I made the decision that because vault is the event I care about the most, um, to preserve my shins in that way and focus on only vault and being successful in that event.
4: For the remainder of the season, what are some goals that you have in mind or, um, the team has kind of set, you know, kind of going forward into, the, in the championship season coming up. Cause after a lot of relays, I know there's NESCACs and, uh, uh New England's and so on and so forth.
5: Yeah. I mean, I know there are a lot of people on the team who have national level aspirations and we have some really strong competitors who are going to be exciting to watch toward the end of the season. Um, definitely all American potential. Um, and I personally would like to PR improve. I know 11 feet has been a goal of mine for a long time. And I think Lily Mm. and Lauren feel the same way. Um, so just seeing those personal improvements across the season would be really, really exciting.
4: Excellent. Ashley Pratt, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you
0: very much. In men's track and field, junior captain Brendan Donahue won the decathlon with a career-best 5,913 points at the Sylphan Invitational, the eighth-best mark in program history. Meanwhile, sophomore John Rex moved into 10th place all-time at Bates in the hammer throw at the UNH Wildcat Invitational with a top effort of 190 feet. He also set a PR and placed second in the discus. This Saturday... The men travel to Brunswick for the Maine State Men's Outdoor Track and Field Championships. Head coach Al Farashidian previews the meet. Coach Bates Bowden, it's been a showdown at states. It seems like every year since I've been here, before then as well. What's this rivalry like in track and field?
6: Uh, it's pretty intense. I mean, for both teams. I mean, we both really want to compete with the best of our, the best of our teams are capable against each other. And uh, and certainly for this meet, I know they're going to sell out and they're going to they're going to put their best effort forward. And and we certainly have to match that uh, that effort, and that intensity, and that focus. Well,
0: this year indoors, Bates took the title back from Bowdoin, Looking to do the same thing in outdoors. What was the indoor meet like? And did, does anything carry over to outdoors? It's a brand new season, kind
6: of. It really is kind of a new season. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the same players. Yeah. And and uh, so there's a base there that we can, you know, we can work on and build from. Uh, but it's going to be an entirely different meet. And, and, I, and I think we actually probably surprised them a little bit indoors, maybe even shocked them, uh, and maybe we woke them up a little bit. Uh, you know, Because I, I, that really probably should have been their meet to win, and we won it fairly convincingly. Um, and I know they've got, a, they've got an outstanding group of seniors right now, and they're a proud group, and, and I, I think they probably took a front to that. So I'm, I'm expecting to see a great team out of them this weekend.
0: Obviously a bunch of events. What are some key events that might swing the meet one way or another, you think?
6: Well, I think uh, you know they have strengths in certain areas. Mm-hmm. we have strengths in certain areas and and i think we're we 're both going to have to you know m- you know make sure we maximize the benefit we get out of those events uh, you know so I think some of those events that are going to be swing events are going to be events on the track and the you know the uh, uh, I, I think the uh, the hurdles could be a very important event. Um, uh, they've had they've got a great hurdler who's been out all year and he's back, so I expect that he'll be a big factor in things. Uh, but we've got a bunch of hurdlers that I think can can counter that a little bit. I, I think that you know uh, certainly the uh, you know a lot of the the middle distance uh, like the 400, 800, the uh, you know the mile, uh, those are all or a 1500 outdoors. Those are all going to be you know I think significant events that I think are really going to be a, you know a, a dual meet battle in the 5K and 10K between Bates and Bow and uh, you know, so it, it's, it, it's, it'll be interesting. You know, we have strength in the throws, uh, but they've got a couple of really good throwers that can, can uh, you know, certainly uh, grab a lot of good quality points in those events. Uh, they've got strength in the jumps, so we got to find a way to kind of balance that out a little bit and, and try to, uh, you know, maybe t- attack in there a little bit more, too.
0: Who are some athletes who you're really excited to see, maybe have a breakthrough meet for the Bobcats? Well,
6: I think, you know, I, I always start first with the seniors and start looking at them, and a guy like Tyler Harrington, who's sure. been such a huge part of our program for the last four years and you know just he's, he's just a you know just tremendous young man he'll be competing in all four of the throwing events mm. and fortunately they're they're actually contesting the javelin on friday afternoon so that will make his saturday schedule a little bit easier and the javelin is one of you know one of his primary events but he's definitely stepped up significantly in the in the hammer and the discus and even the shot so you know we're looking for some some great things there uh you know he's he's really been a, a great part of what we're trying to get done uh, Zach Campbell has been tremendous all year uh, as one of our captains and one of our leaders, and he'll be a big presence with Johnny in the in the hammer. Uh, but he's also getting a lot better in the disc and could be really dangerous there. And and even the shot has the potential to to, to uh, really get in there and do some things. Uh, I think of you know Bart Rust in the uh, in you know in it, certainly in the steeplechase uh, as a mm-hmm. freshman. Uh, this he's been outstanding all year long. But it might be guys like indoors. Uh, you know guys like uh, Jackson elkins uh freshman and in the middle distance runners and jeremy bennett who had a great double in the mile and a thousand it's going to be you know the the strength of the team that's really going to step up and make a difference and kind of go there the steeplechase that's such a crazy event how much can you really
0: practice that
6: well a lot yeah again, <laughs> yeah you know the water
0: set up and everything well yeah i mean we haven't really
6: we, we don't do a lot of that in practice okay. <laughs> we we will as the season sure. progresses it's yeah. just uh, we're we're in, in maine and in, in <laughs> april and march and it's not really easy to get in the water <laughs> um but but the bottom line is uh we do a lot of work and i think what what attracts a lot of people to the steeplechase mm. is it's kind of like cross country on the track so if you like love cross country then it's kind of a natural fit but yeah. the other piece and i was a steeplechaser in, in college so so it's, it's one of my favorite events but it it, it adds along with the the training component that a distance runner has to go uh, go through to be successful it also adds a technical component Mm -hmm. so you can take that point and you know if you're if you've got that kind of mindset it's really a good match and and you know bart's done a great job nico johnson one one of our cross-country captains will also be a big factor in those events that should be a good event for us it'll be interesting to see how the other positions kind of play out because there's probably some spots there
0: I know the indoor state meet ends, of course, with the
6: famed blackout relay. How does the outdoor meet wrap up? Is it a relay, or how does that go? Yeah, the last event's a four by four, that and, and, yeah. and that's that's uh, you know it's always an exciting event. Yeah. Uh, probably doesn't have quite the uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, folklore that the the four by eight does indoors. Yeah. Um, um, and and honestly, when in a meet like this where it's going to be Bates and, and Bowden, um, the relays quite honestly, probably aren't as important as some of the individual events. Mm-hmm. I think probably, you know, I, I don't think uh, Coach Levinsky will be, you know, resting his guys to be fresh for the 4x4. Four four. We're going to be using our athletes all the way through. So it's going to be probably a battle of, and, and I think this is the way the meet's going to come down to is who wants it more. Because everybody's going to be tired. Everybody's going to be fatigued at that point in time. And, and the relay points are important, but uh, potentially the, the individual points that some of those members can score throughout the course of the meet are even more important.
0: I know recruiting for track and field, you don't necessarily have to go see people participate in high school. You can look at numbers and whatnot. But what is it like recruiting? Do you recruit against Bowdoin a lot? I I imagine uh,
6: similar athletes are you're both both trying to get them, right? Sure. We see, you know, base Bowdoin and Colby. Any kid that's coming up from out of state is probably going to be visiting all three. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really the difference is, you know, I mean – uh, really the feel that they get on a campus, the feel yeah. that they get from a team, what they're looking for in a, in a program. And, and I think, you know, guys that are looking for a highly team-centered uh, focus, uh, a lot of times you don't see that in track and field. And I, I think a lot of times high school kids that are coming in to visit, they don't maybe even comprehend what that means. But when you are when you compete in a meet like this, you figure it out very quickly that it's not just about you. It's about what you're doing to help the rest of your team be successful. Terrific. Well,
0: any other thoughts we haven't discussed about the main State meet you wanted to mention here.
6: It's one of the uh, oldest, longest-running meets in, 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 the hi- in, in the history of track and field in the United States of America. So there's a lot of prestige. I'm, I'm not sure what the number is. It's something like 125 yeah. or, or something along that lines. But it's been around since since before the, uh, 19, the, uh, the, before the 20th century. Right. So it's, it's, it's got a lot of history, a lot of tradition. Uh, it is certainly one of the highlights on our schedule every year, and, and I'm, I'm expecting that our team's going to hopefully step up to the plate and hopefully duplicate what we did in. Indoors, but I, I know that it's going to be a tremendous battle with Bowdoin. All right, Al
0: Farishidian, thanks so
6: much. Yep, yeah, thank you.
0: The following Bates teams are at home this week: Number twenty-two nationally ranked Bates women's lacrosse hosts number five Tufts on Tuesday. Baseball and softball host Husson and UMaine Farmington, respectively, on Thursday. Baseball hosts Bowden, softball hosts Trinity, and men's tennis hosts Middlebury on Friday. Women's track and field hosts the Aloha Relays on Friday and Saturday. Softball hosts Trinity in a doubleheader. Men's lacrosse hosts Amherst, and women's tennis hosts Middlebury on Saturday. For a complete schedule, go to gobatesbobcats.com, and we'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast.